Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. It was that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. Welcome to Praying for America, where we come together as Christians and patriots from across the country, indeed around the world. And uh, tonight and tomorrow night, I want to spend just some time giving you some uh, scriptural reflections on Christmas. It is the Christmas season. We've been dealing with a lot of of, uh, difficult issues uh, in the nation, uh, in the world. We've been uh, also talking about, and we'll continue picking this up uh, after Christmas, the America First policies, uh, which are going to bring our nation to an even higher level of greatness than we have achieved in the past. We need to explore and understand those policies. We need to uh, learn how to uh, implement those policies. Uh, And we'll be uh, delving into those more in the future programs. But I thought that tonight uh, we would uh, take a uh, a deeper look at Christmas and um, actually to look also at the implications of Christmas For the very things we talk about on this program, the political life of the nation, our commitment to shaping public policy, what does that have to do with Christmas? And how does Christmas shape that? Actually, it does very significantly. And let's talk about that a little bit tonight. First, as we always do, let's pray uh, from the scriptures. And we want to start here, for uh, for, of course, in uh, the Christmas gospel in Luke chapter 2 starting with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region, living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, who is Messiah and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
you will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the multi- with the, a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for the Messiah and Lord who is born for us at Christmas, a Messiah for all people, born and unborn, healthy and sick, young and old, weak and strong, lowly and in positions of high power, a Savior for all who are ready to receive him. We thank you, Lord, for the accessibility of God at Christmas, that you, Lord God, became a little baby so that you could remind us that no one should be afraid to approach you. No one should hesitate to run towards you, to seek, to knock, to search so that they can find and so that they can be welcomed in to the life of God. Thank you for Christmas. And thank you, Lord, for how it transforms our politics. Help us to understand this lesson, that we can govern ourselves because we are your sons and daughters. We make this prayer, this Christmas prayer, through Christ our Lord. Amen. And that's what I want to reflect with you on, brothers and sisters. Let's contrast the pagan view of government with the Christian view. In the pagan world, they said the law proceeds from the mouth of the king. The king, monarch, all power is concentrated in him. And if he gets up one morning and decides to issue some decree, the people didn't have any input into it, the people don't have any recourse against it. His will prevails. Nobody necessarily even heard about it before. It wasn't a bill that was proposed, debated, voted out of committee, uh, lobbied for or against, amended, you know, and then, and then subject to a vote by the elected representatives of the people. Nobody even heard about it before. Maybe the king got the idea in a dream, or maybe he woke up with a, a, a sour stomach and he decided to take out his anger on somebody. The law proceeds from the mouth of the king. All you need for it to be a law is that it gets spoken by the king. That's, 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 that's tyrannical kind of government. That's not representative government. But that's the pagan view of government. Because if they don't have reverence for God, the king can easily take the place of God. But then Christ came at Christmas. The Savior who was born, you notice how the Christmas gospel tells us that it wasn't simply the Messiah of the Lord, that the prophets had promised that the Lord would send the Messiah. And the Messiah, Messiah means anointed, which if you say it in Greek is Christ. So Messiah, Christ, it's the same word. It means the anointed one. The priests, the prophets, the kings, they all had their missions from God and they were all 
anointed to carry out that mission. And, and the anointing was a symbol of strength, not only that they had been given the mission, but they're given the strength by God to carry it out. The anointed ones, there were many anointed ones. And they said the Lord would send his anointed one for the greatest mission of all, to bring about the day of the Lord, to conquer the long, dark night of, of sin and the shadow of death, to bring about a new people, redeemed and walking in the ways of a new covenant. That Messiah of the Lord did come. The prophecies were fulfilled. The day arrived, Christmas. But brothers and sisters, when the angels announced Christmas, they didn't simply say it was the Messiah of the Lord. They said, born to you today in the city of David is the Messiah and Lord. And Lord. God didn't just send his Messiah. He came himself. He was the Messiah. God became flesh. God took on human nature. God appeared to us so that he could speak in our language. God took on a body so that he could offer it on the cross. He is the Messiah and Lord. All the words of Jesus are the words of the Father. The deeds of Jesus are the deeds of God. This is the Messiah and Lord. The love that Jesus shows is the love of God Almighty. And what did he come to do? This is where, let's go to a... Uh, Another scripture passage, and you know this well from the beginning of the Gospel of John, and this is actually also one of the Gospel passages used on Christmas. Let's read it right from the beginning of John 1, because this will, this will help our meditation uh, to take the next uh, step. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines on in the darkness, a darkness that has not overcome it. There was a man sent by God named John. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by man's willing it, but by God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only Father, filled with grace and truth. Now, brothers and sisters, notice what this passage says. It wasn't just the marvel, because it's marvelous enough that the Word, who was always God, became flesh. That's 
that's what Christmas celebrates. It's not Christmas is not just celebrating that moment that it focuses on, which is the birth. It is about the event of the birth. But the event of the birth is part of a, a bigger mystery, the mystery of the incarnation, that this word would become flesh, because actually he became flesh before his birth, just like you and I did. Our bodies, when did our bodies start? Our bodies didn't start on our birthday. We wouldn't have had birth if we didn't already have a body. You get born only because you're already alive. You get born only because you already have a body and your body comes through the birth canal and comes out into the open. So the incarnation, now this is from two Latin words, incarne, in the flesh. The word is incarnate. The word becomes flesh when? At his conception. Nine months before Christmas. That's why many Christians celebrate that day, March 25th. As the day that Mary, as the Gospel of Luke tells us, said yes to the angel. And Jesus became flesh within her. Okay. So it's not just the mystery of that. That's great enough, right? That's enough of a marvel in and of itself that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But why did he dwell among us? So that he could dwell in us. The word came to dwell among us taking on himself a human nature, that eternal word who was always God, takes on himself a human nature so that we can take on a divine nature. You see what the passage from John said. Those who did accept him, verse 12 of John 1, he he gave power to become children of God. There's the mystery of Christmas, too. We're not just celebrating the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem in the manger. We're celebrating the birth of the Savior in us. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. He's in us. St. Paul says, do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? He's in us. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us. And then he dwelt in us to make us children of God. You see the great exchange of of Christmas gifts? This is at the, the, the basis of our exchange of Christmas presents. Hopefully you've done all your Christmas shopping. You know, this is the time of year when you hear those ads on the radio that say, if you boy, are you cutting it close if you haven't gotten all your Christmas presents done yet? So, but that the basis of that exchange of Christmas gifts is the exchange of natures. God taking upon himself our humanity, God giving us his divinity. You are sharers of the divine nature, Peter says. So we... Go back now to the theme of politics. How does this impact politics? If in the pagan view, the law comes from the mouth of the king, and the people neither have any input into it, nor recourse against it, then the people count for nothing. In that that view of government, the people are nothing. The monarch is everything. Absolute power concentrated in one person. But then Christ came. And he raised us up 
to be sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? It means we matter. It means the people matter. It means their voice matters. And that means their vote matters. It means they now have a say and should have a say and must always have a say in what the law is. The law doesn't come from the mouth of the king. The law comes from the consent of the governed. Because we, the governed, are sons and daughters of the king of kings. We go above the king. When we share in the divine nature, we go over the head of the king. You see how Christ transforms politics? You see how Christmas is at the heart of our of our representative system of government. You, you know, it doesn't get any better than the founding documents of America. We've talked about this before. If we, if we were around for a million years, we wouldn't be able to come up with better documents than the founding fathers came up with when it comes to the fundamental principles that they articulate. That government governs only with the consent of the governed. The sovereignty in America rests where? Does the sovereignty rest with the president? Does the sovereignty rest? Well, these days, God forbid, right? Let's go, Brandon. The sovereign, the sovereignty doesn't rest with the president. Does the sovereignty rest with the Congress? Does the sovereignty rest with the Supreme Court? The sovereignty doesn't rest there. The sovereignty rests with the people. We, the people of the United States. The governed govern only with the consent of the governed. You like the direction of policy that a lawmaker wants to go, you vote for them. You don't like the direction that they are going, you vote them out. That's why the members of Congress have to stand up for re-election in the House every two years. It's almost like they're, they're constantly in re-election mode. That has its downside, but it has its upside too, because they're constantly reminded they got to be answering to you and me. Constantly reminds them that we don't work for them, they work for us. It constantly reminds them, furthermore, that they govern only with our consent. And that's ultimately because of Christmas. Christianity changes the, the, the nature of power, of authority. Authority and power become service. And that's why the Declaration starts by talking about these unalienable rights that are granted to us, not by the court, not by the Congress, not by the president, but by God. And government exists, is, again, it doesn't get any better than this, that all are created equal, that we all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice life is always first. But that the government exists to secure these rights. Christmas. We are sons and daughters of God. Of course the government has to protect us. Of course they govern only with our consent. Of course we can vote. Of course we can lobby. Of course we can have our voices heard. We must have our voices heard. When our voices are being heard, that's not some concession given to us by those in power. We're the ones in power. It's a concession of ours that they have any say in governing whatsoever. Christmas has turned it all upside down. All upside down. Authority becomes service. The greatest become the least. The least become the greatest. We become sons and daughters of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word is made flesh and dwells within us. And we dwell in him. Part of our commitment of Christmas, part of our celebration of Christmas should be to recommit ourselves, first of all, to an appreciation of the system of government that we have. And secondly, to a recommitment to defend it. We've got to defend ourselves against tyranny because tyranny is a contradiction of Christmas. We fight against tyranny every day 
we remember the words of President Reagan. You know, you don't get the freedom uh, that you have. You don't get it in the bloodstream. You got to defend it in every generation. Christmas helps us to do that because it's bringing us right to the foundation of where it comes from. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are free. We thank you that we are your sons and daughters in the word made flesh. We thank you that therefore we have a voice. And Lord, we ask you to make us always instruments of of making your people aware of that voice that they have and ready to use it. And so we pray, Lord, as we end one year and get ready to begin another, or that all those who are not registered to vote may wake up and and get registered. That, That all those who are registered to vote but haven't been voting, wake up and start voting. Because they're sons and daughters of you, O God. Their voice matters. Their dignity matters. Their representation matters. Help us, Lord, to celebrate Christmas by celebrating the beautiful kind of government that we have, that we govern ourselves. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. And now we pray as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining me. Stay connected with me on social media, FR Frank Pavone, on all the major platforms. I hope you have your Truth Social account. You have it by now? I hope so. Truth Social, Getter, thank you, Getter, for broadcasting us. Uh, Right Side Broadcasting, uh, be connected with the RSBN uh, network at RSBN, uh, uh, RSBN network uh, on these various social media accounts as well. We will talk to you again tomorrow for our our second uh, Christmas special. Looking forward to seeing you then. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.